0: And when the hour came, he reclined at table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you that I will not eat it until, the, it, is, until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup. When he had given thanks, he said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread When he had given thanks, he broke it and he gave it to them, saying, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup is poured out for you. This cup that's poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. But behold, the hand of him who betrays me is with me on the table. For the Son of Man goes as it has been determined, but woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. And they began to question one another, which of them it could be who was going to do this. A dispute also arose among them as to which of them was to be regarded as the greatest. And he said to them, the kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and those in authority over them are called benefactors, but not so with you. Rather, let the greatest among you become as the youngest, and the leader as one who serves. For who is greater, the one who reclines at table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who reclines at table? But I am among you as the one who serves. You are those who have stayed with me in my trials, and I assign to you as my Father assigned to me a kingdom that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Okay, the setting for these verses, it comes roughly a week after Jesus enters into the city of Jerusalem, uh, on Palm Sunday when he is, comes into the acclaim of the crowds, shouting, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. And now we see the disciples finding that that kingship that's been proclaimed all of Jerusalem is about to take an unexpected turn. This king is not going to be the king they thought he was going to be. And his uh, ride in Jerusalem is not going to lead in the direction they thought it might lead. And so we come to this night, and this meal, when Jesus knows what is going to happen, he knows he's going to be betrayed. He knows within a few hours he is going to be taken off in custody. And he's go- taken the steps to guard this last moment with his disciples, this last meal with them. And this meal is about a lot, but we're going to look at three things tonight this meal is about. This meal is about feasting, And it's about letting go. And it's about longing. Okay, first, this feast, this meal, it's about feasting. This is verses 14 through 23. It says, you know, here that this is a Passover meal for them. Celebrating God's great exodus when he brought his people out of Egypt. Celebrating this great deliverance in the past. And Jesus chose this moment in this meal to share with his disciples, his closest friends. And it's interesting, look what it says Uh, right at the beginning of this passage in verse 15. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. The way he phrases this, it's incredibly emphatic. He couldn't have said it any stronger. I earnestly desire to have this meal with you. I have been waiting for this meal, for this time that we're going to share together. He longed for it. For them, it was this Passover feast, their last supper with their Lord. And for us, it's a feast as well. Because just as they came celebrating, we come celebrating. Just as they came celebrating this deliverance of God, we come celebrating a greater deliverance, a greater redemption, a fulfillment of God's redemption that comes in Jesus' death and resurrection for us. And it's a surprising meal. Think about what Jesus does as he shares this meal with them and as he enacts these symbols for them. What does he do? He takes the loaf and he breaks it. This loaf of broken bread. And he says, this is my body, which is given for you. Bread given for you. A body given for you. Poured out wine. This is the covenant, the new covenant in my blood, which is for you. He shares a meal, he shares this food, he shares this evening with them. But much more, he actually shares himself with them. And he says, when you take this meal, you partake of me. You are a part of me. Jesus is the one on whom and with whom we feast, even tonight. When when we get ready to come to this table, it is Jesus that's offered to us here. Here in this meal, we receive him. This meal is about feasting. The second thing, this meal is about letting go. Imagine the drama of this night where they share this meal together. Disciples only slowly at best starting to understand the significance of what's going on. As Jesus speaks about suffering. And where does their conversation go? Where does dinner talk turn to after this? They have this meal. Jesus talks about his body broken, his blood being shed. And then the first conversation they have afterwards is, who among us is the greatest? Okay, if you've ever had an inappropriate conversation in an inappropriate time, this is near the top of the list. Jesus is last night, and you're saying, which one of us is the A-plus disciple? Which one of us gets the honor? Which one is the greatest? You see, it was a central question for them. And often it's a central question for us too. They lived in a culture that centered around the concepts of honor and shame. What does it mean to gain honor? What does it mean to be respected versus rejected by the community around you? Now, for us, our culture works a little bit differently. We're more subtle than this. We don't have conversations over dinner that says, which one of us is really the greatest? Not not on the surface like that. We're much more subtle than that. We're also constantly asking questions like this. Who's, real, who's really the best? Who is the greatest? Am I getting the respect and the recognition that I really deserve? Am I making the grade? What's the measuring stick here, and how am I doing on that? What, just somebody tell me, what do I need to do? What do I need to do to make it, whatever make it means for us? Okay, some of you think maybe... Maybe you don't feel we work this way. Okay. Think about this. When we walk back out to our cars tonight, think about the things that we put on the back of our car, on the back windows and the back bumper stickers that declare something about us. Okay, Maybe you have a sticker on your car like this. University of fill-in-the-blank alum. Okay. now I'm not going to tell you what mine is. You can see the sticker on the back of my car for yourself. <laughs> Why? Because when we put the name of that school on our car, we think, the honor and respect in that school, it rubs off on me because I came from that school. What about this one? My child is an honor student at... (laughs) Or how about this one? My child can beat up your honor student. (laughs) Maybe you've got a smaller sticker on the back of your car. Maybe your bumper sticker, you just have one letter, and it's a W. Or maybe on your bumper sticker, you just have one letter, and it's a W, and it has a line through it. Okay, maybe you have a sticker on the back of your car that simply proclaims which neighborhood you live in here in town. My bumper does. Because you see, whether we are subtle or not, we're often still asking the same question. Who among us is the greatest? How can I be recognized? How do I stack up? What is my social capital and how can I gain more? Verse 25, you see, Jesus brings this up. He says, this is how the world measures greatness. But, verse 26, it is not going to be so with you. That is not the way we are going to measure greatness in my kingdom. Because Jesus tells him that following him means letting go the pursuit of status and greatness and recognition. And he tells us the same thing tonight. If you're going to follow me, you're going to be a part of a different kind of kingdom. He says, you're now part of the upside-down kingdom where all the standards have been reversed, where the greatest is the one who becomes like the least, and the leader is the one who serves, and the way up is paradoxically the way down. He says, that's what my kingdom is like. But how? How are we going to live like this? When everything around us points in a different direction, how are we going to live in a kingdom like this. How does this meal that we're about to share tonight, and this meal that Jesus shared with His disciples, how does it teach us how to live like this? Look at verse 27. Jesus says that He's come among us as one who serves. You see what He's doing? Jesus gives up His seat at the table in order that we might have a seat at the table. He comes in order to serve us the ones who have been invited. If you remember John chapter 13, John tells about something else that happened this night. During the meal, Jesus stands up and he he takes off his outer cloak and he wraps a towel around himself and he goes from one disciple to the next, including Judas, and he washes their feet. He says, this is what it means to live in my kingdom. This is what it means to be great in my kingdom To serve. He does the most humble acts imaginable of serving. And it's on the eve of doing the most humble act imaginable in order to serve those that he loves. And he says, this is what it means to live in my kingdom. And this meal represents for us just how far Jesus went to serve us, to find us, to feed us. He gives everything. He gives us His life for us, His body, His blood, the blood of the new covenant. Now how are we going to be free to let go, to let go of our desperate need for status and recognition, our constant drive for approval, and admiration and honor, only by knowing this Jesus. This Jesus laying Himself down for us, given for us, serving us, setting us free from the shifting sands of approval and status and our effort, setting us free by putting our feet on the solid ground of His death and resurrection on our behalf, setting us free from sin, from punishment, from alienation, bringing us into the light and the hope and the freedom of real and lasting forgiveness for us. Making us people who can now respond miraculously by doing the same. That we might be people who serve others, who take the low road. Stepping out of the limelight, letting go of everything that weighs us down, everything that trips us up, that gets in the way of our following, Jesus. The King who became a servant for us. This meal is about letting go. And lastly, this meal is about longing. Because we long for a meal with Jesus that, in which He won't just be present with us spiritually as He is when we partake this meal together. But we long for more than that when He is present not simply spiritually but physically. When we're going to sit across the table from Him face to face. When we are no longer going to see darkly as through a mirror. But we're going to see with perfect clarity Know and be known. Because we long for a kingdom when it is not just anticipated and tasted, but consummated and brought in in all its fullness. Verse 16, as Jesus prepares to take this meal, he says, I'm
1: not going to eat of it
0: until it's fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Verse 18, he says, until the kingdom of God comes. What's he talking about? When the kingdom of God comes in all its fullness, he says, I'm not going to have this meal again, until it comes in all its greatness and glory. And then if you look with me down at verses 28 through 30, the very end of the passage. You are those who have stayed with me in my trials. I assign to you as my Father assigned to me a kingdom that you may eat and drink at my table and my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. What's he saying? He's saying that on the other side of suffering, on the other side of waiting, comes the glory. Now he's speaking to his disciples. And he's speaking to a place of special prominence for them. But he says to us also, that on the other side of suffering, on the other side of the brokenness of everything we see around us, one day we're going to see it healed. And one day, like the disciples in this passage, we're going to eat and drink with Jesus at his table, at his banquet, when Jesus returns and the kingdom comes in its fulfillment and its fullness. We are a people, and this meal teaches us that we are a people who long, glad for the real and true taste of glory that Jesus gives us even now, even in this meal that we're going to share tonight, but looking ahead and longing for it to come in all its fullness. And in the in between, Jesus says this to us that his grace is sufficient for us. And that as we feast and as we let go and as we long, that he is here with us even now. Our Lord Jesus given for us. Let's pray.